Welcome to Dig Life Deep with John Aiden Byrne. On this episode of Dig Life Deep, we'll be bringing you an exclusive on Ronnie Wood of the Rolling Stones. We keep digging for the secrets and stories of uncommon and everyday things and interesting people. Hello everyone, we have a great show lined up. I'm going to do something a little bit different, but I've done a few times and it's quite popular. I'm going to talk about a topic that is dear to my heart, some topic, any topic. And this topic is the Rolling Stones Stay with us because I have an exclusive on Ronnie Wood of the Rolling Stones coming up in a wee moment. Many of you may be surprised to know I'm a student of the Rolling Stones, not necessarily their music and all the weird and aggressive stuff they've done throughout their careers, but just the Rolling Stones generally. I'm fascinated by them as mass cultural icons. I've heard them in concert. I've been up close to them. I've done some stories about them. I'm not a collector of their albums. But again, I just find everything about the Rolling Stones fascinating. How could you not? All close to their 80s or in their mid-70s, still going strong and minting millions and millions of dollars. And as you know... Dig Life Deep looks at economics and finance and culture, sociology, politics, Hollywood, you name it. I don't exactly know how much the Rolling Stones are worth, but it's vast. According to one estimate, in the past decade, the band earned close to $1 billion. Mick Jagger, Michael Jagger, Sir Mick Jagger, to give him his top title is worth an estimated 360 million dollars according to celebrityworth.com he's of course the front man for the rolling stones got a pacemaker looks like a kid and then of course there is the other character in the rolling stones uh, keith richard apparently worth much more than sir mick at 500 million and married to a former model and actress patty hansen the late charlie watts the dear late charlie watts who passed away certainly was a real gentleman beloved by fans peers and critics his background is equally as fascinating as the rest and then of course we have ronnie wood who joined the rolling stones in 1975 my fascination with the stones again is cultural as much as a little bit musical but as just celebrities who have amassed this incredible fortune and i've often wondered about it because when they started out in the 1960s they were anti-establishment anti the cultural norms of the time they were wild angry and on the front pages for doing bad and dangerous things none of which we would certainly condone by any stretch but now they almost seem the epitome of cultural respectability worldwide almost in a sense part of the elite although we will never fully know because they don't exactly express a lot of political opinions though we can get an idea of their political 
opinions from some of their early songs, but they've mellowed. We don't know if they stand behind any of that at this moment. I'm going to have uh, an exclusive. I'm going to have an exclusive interview for you about the Rolling Stones coming up on this episode. And that gets to the point. It is an excerpt from my full interview with the famed writer Jeffrey Robinson, who published numerous tomes on finance and on other topics, and including the big one, The Laundry Men. Jeffrey Robinson is an extraordinary character, um, colourful character, and, and, and a master storyteller. So in the course of a very long interview uh, recently, he broke away to tell me a story about Ron Wood, because Jeffrey Robinson is the co-author of a book on Ron Wood. I don't, his name is not on the jacket cover, but the words and the interviews and the background, the whole style of that book is uh, the great work of Jeffrey Robinson. I'm not going to give away the inside story that Jeffrey Robinson told me about working with Ron, but it's it's emblematic in a sense of Ron Wood, I guess, working class background, um, his wonderful background, his colourful background, and uh, where he was brought up in London. And it's a very, in many ways, an English story. You might be surprised to hear that from an Irishman because there are Irish stories and English stories and they some of them have a lot in common, more in common that some of us might be prepared to admit. But this story has had me cracked up and only somebody like Jeffrey Robinson uh, could tell it. So I want you to follow along and it's coming up in a wee moment and it's an exclusive. It happened during Jeffrey's reporting and following along uh, Ron Wood for his book, uh, his autobiography on Ron Wood. One only presumes that Ron back in this day was hitting the jar quite heavily. He is a recovered alcoholic, and uh, that is the other part of, of this segment on the Rolling Stones. They're reformed characters, if you will. If you follow them on YouTube or you go on their website or you read any of the press on them, you could actually be obsessed uh, about their lifestyles, the lifestyles of the rich and famous. Look, take Sir Mick Jagger. And he certainly comes from middle class, upper middle class background. And it might explain part of the success of the Rolling Stones. He attended the London School of Economics and... It's said he wanted to pursue a career in teaching or education or in gymnastics. His dad was a, a, a gymnastic teacher. Didn't happen that way. He um, became this so-called anti-establishment figure. And maybe through his studies, he, he saw some kind of a, a gap in the entertainment market to become this big frontman for a blues rock and roll band called the Rolling Stones. He met up, of course, with Keith Richard. They paired it up together and they came, I suppose, the the core throughout their career of the Rolling Stones. Keith is a funny person. He has a great sense of humour. I think he has a better sense of humour today than he had in his younger day when he seemed to have a real chip on his shoulder and he seemed to get that off his chest with his autobiography and I, God knows what else brought him to his senses, but... 
every time he's interviewed, he says something funny and he says it in a very unique, one-of-a-kind way. He's married to Patty Hansen, who reportedly is a devout, born-again Christian. Charlie Watts, the our dearly departed Charlie Watts, I saw on a notice that somebody posted on the website that accompanied uh, his death notice. That's an awful dark way to put it, but it was up there on some equestrian site. Charlie loved horses, as his uh, wife did, uh, that um, he always wore a gentle smile. And that, that was posted by somebody who toured with the band many, many years ago. And he said, Charlie was a delight to work for. Down home, he shared, you know, his family background with uh, people he toured with. He talked about his dogs, his horses. He was very much a man of the people and very not standoffish, not condescending, uh, no sense of um, his position in the cultural firmament, but a regular man in the street. Don't know how he managed to keep that composure because, of course, he and his wife, Leslie, um raised 300 horses in their stunning Devon farm. And it's said that the reason he didn't like to tour for long lengths in his latter years is because he wanted to be back at the farm, helping out with the um, farmhands and his wife. We'll never fully know. He was a private, quiet man. And when he gave interviews, he parsed his words, but did his thing for the Rolling Stones. One thing caught me once. He gave an interview on one of his last tours for with the Rolling Stones and he was asked about promotion social media and he seemed a little confused almost he said that um he doesn't have a, he didn't have a cell phone but Mick Jagger always tried to track him down on his home landline and he had this quip Mick is a speed freak i just thought that was rich in a lot of meanings anyway stay with me and you're going to ha- enjoy the exclusive I have um, on Ron Wood of the Rolling Stones. One final story about Ron Wood is that he was loved by his neighbours in County Kildare, Ireland. He may still have a home there, but I know he sold the big one a few years ago and he raised horses. They all seem to have horses, all these stones. I guess you have to put your money somewhere. He was an alcoholic uh, for and addicted to a lot of things throughout his career. And that'll be very clear in the interview that's coming up. And he packed it in and joined AA. And in a way, to me, he became a kind of a spiritual sort of a guy, a much more gentle guy, somebody that can probably do an awful lot of good in the world. He now relies on his higher power. That's uh, one of the um, things, if you will, with AA and the the various steps program. Anyway, one day he must have been on the booze in Kildare, lonely in his big mansion. Maybe he wasn't lonely, but he was boozed up for sure. And he decided to take his guitar up to the local pub in the village for practice. And it was a quiet afternoon and the barman was about to close up. Well, he was going to close up in about an hour or so, but he was a normally jovial lad, but something was irritating him this day. Anyway, Ron went into a corner with his guitar, ordered a pint or two and maybe a a vodka on the side. And uh, he started strumming away and composing and doing his thing and having a a great time. Uh, The jovial barman was not amused and summarily told Ron to skip it, pack it in, leave the bar, 
They were closing up. This was too much for Ron. He says, do you know who I am? And reportedly the barman said, I don't care if you're Daniel O'Donnell. (laughs) Now, if you don't know who Daniel O'Donnell is, he's a famed, and I underscore that, a famed Irish country music legend from the hills of Donegal. Stay with us for my exclusive interview with Jeffrey Robinson of the Laundrymen recalling his escapades with Ron Wood of the Rolling Stones. I'm your host, John Aidan Byrne. Hi, I'm Danica Patrick. Watching my nieces grow, play, and learn is amazing, but not every child gets to be carefree. One in six kids in the U.S. are hungry. This breaks my heart, and it's something that Feeding America is working to change. Each year, the Feeding America network of food banks rescues billions of pounds of good food that would have gone to waste and gives it to families in need. To help, visit feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. Well, I hope you're all well. We have a great piece coming up soon. It's an exclusive story on the legendary Ron Wood of the Rolling Stones, told in the inimitable voice of Jeffrey Robinson, who co-authored the bio on Ron Wood. Now, before we get to that, I want to remind all our listeners of a great new podcast on Apple and on all the best platforms. It's called Odeon Capital Conversations with Dick Beauvais and Matt Van Alstein of Odeon Capital Group. And the show is about all things money and markets. It's hosted by yours truly. And in our latest episode, Dick Beauvais has in-depth research on the plunge in cryptocurrencies He'll tell us what's behind it, and he'll also talk about our financial outlook. The podcast is called Odeon Capital Conversations. And on one final note, prior to our piece on Ron Wood and Jeffrey Robinson, it's time for our weekly Future Shock 2.0 about business and workforce trends caused by the convergence of people, business, and technology. And it's presented by Ira S. Wolf. Ira Wolf, welcome back to Future Shock 2.0. What's your best advice for somebody graduating college? For anyone graduating college today, I mean, this is your heyday. You you couldn't have a possible. I'm not sure there's been a time in my lifetime, and I'm an older baby boomer. I got a, a bunch of decades behind me. I don't know if there was ever a time that has been so rich for people um, with so many opportunities. Now, many of the skills you have that people have graduated with are are quite not up to speed. They they may there's still a lag in digital skills. Uh, but the number one skill that uh, many, many organizations, including McKinsey, uh, came out with with their research has been about adaptability. Uh, it, it's being about take advantage of, of the opportunities. Um, that change is going to be pretty consistent and uncertain. We, the title of the show is, is Future Shock. Uh, so there's, there's certainly going to be some stress uh, involved in it. Uh, but the reality is, is that... Uh, People coming out of school will have an enormous opportunity to explore, to work for different organizations. In fact, there's a, a, an Australian study that uh, was released uh, just a f- 
few years ago, it's somewhat recent, that the future workers, young people, would have 17 jobs in five careers. We used to talk about job hopping. Now we're going to talk about career hopping. So from a sense of coming out of college, what the opportunities are, they're abundant. There's just an endless number. And the good news is there's lots of employers, uh, some and, and very, very good companies that are offering those opportunities to learn. Uh, sometimes it's, it's a traditional job, full-time, part-time. Sometimes it's just gig. I mean, sometimes you have an opportunity to work with multiple companies on, on a gig job. For employers, it's going to be a nightmare because they're going to hire somebody from the right school, with the right grades, with the right experience, the right education, and they're going to come in and they're going to stay there for hopefully a couple months, maybe a year, maybe two years, and then they're off. And so there's going to be a continual revolving door. Uh, so although we have more, we have a lot of college graduates coming out first time in, in actually two years that we're coming back into this normal economy, uh, it's going to still be a nightmare for employers. Uh, and yet for uh, graduates, it's, it's a heyday. It's the career lottery that they, they, they and they all want it. And just very quickly, Ira, across many industries and sectors? Healthcare, production, trades, uh, engineering, IT, technology. Uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, there, there's certain industries that are, the, the number of opportunities are declining, but most of the high demand, hospitality and retail are sort of in flux. Uh, but a lot of lot, even a lot of those organizations have sort of got their act together and 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 offering some some training, some good environments, some good cultures, some good experience, keeping people on the learning curve. So, I would say as a whole, almost all industries are are going to be pretty robust. Ira Wolf will be back for another segment of Future Shock 2.0. Next week, Ira is an author, workforce trends expert, and top five global thought leader on the future of work and HR. And you can hear him on the Geek Skeezers and Googleization podcast as well. So you all know Ron Wood of the Rolling Stones, or at least you thought you knew a lot about him. This story about Ron Wood was shared by Jeffrey Robinson during a very long and interesting interview I had with Jeffrey recently on money laundering. Jeffrey is an expert on the topic and wrote numerous financial tomes, many bestsellers, including The Laundrymen. He is also a co-author on the autobiography of Ron Wood, so he knows a thing or two about Ron Wood. I'm your host, John Aidan Byrne. You have all these bestsellers, The Laundryman, top of the list. You wrote six novels. You even wrote... Seven. I'm missing Seven. one. Okay. Oh, yeah. And yeah. then you co-authored the autobiography of Ron, Ronnie Woods of the Rolling Stones. Ronnie. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, Ronnie, Ronnie is a genuinely nice man. I like the guy. I, I've never met him, but I like him and I have great admiration for how he came out of nice his addiction. Man. He came out of his yeah, addiction he, problem. He had a lot of problems, a lot of addiction problems. He's a genuinely nice man. He's a genuinely nice 15-year-old. Mm. He's a 15-year-old who has lived his entire life in a toy store and a candy store, and no one's ever asked him to pay the bill. Mm. And he just goes through life 
being a lovely guy, eating all the candy and playing with all the toys. And he did suffer seriously from bad addiction, uh, addictive personality, whether it be cigarettes or drugs or whiskey, whatever, uh, and is still allowed to tell the story, and I'm glad. Uh, the, what was uh, it like working with him? At times it was wonderful because he was funny and loose and happy to tell stories. At other times it was difficult because he'd sneak off and have a drink. And did uh, you collaborate long distance or in No, no, no. Oh, no, no, no. We spent a lot of time face-to-face -face at all sorts of various hours at his house and mine. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you one story, one very funny story. He said, you got to meet my aunt. And he had an aunt. He was born out. He was raised out at that area that... Heathrow expanded to. It's out near the Heathrow Airport, and there's a canal, and his father was a boatman on the canals. And he still had family living out there. And we went out to see his aunt because she made some sort of dish. This was like his mother or his father's sister, old woman. She made some sort of a dish that he loved, like pickled onions or something. So he and I drive out there. And while we're there, he calls Jimmy White, the soccer player. And he says, I'm at my aunt's house. Come and she's got pickled eggs or whatever the hell it was. So now Jimmy White arrives, and the three of us are sitting with the ant, eating these pickled eggs or deviled eggs, whatever. And the ant had a daughter who was Ronnie's cousin. He says, let's go visit my cousin. So we get in the car, and we drive half a mile to a housing estate where there are these houses all lined up. And he looks, and he says, I don't remember if it's 27 or 28. So he knocks on the door of 27. So Ronnie's standing here, Jimmy White's standing next to him, and I'm behind them. And the door opens at number 27, and it's a woman who looks and sees Ronnie Wood and sees Jimmy White and says, Henry, come here. So Henry shows up, the husband, and he looks, he says, bugger me, it's Ronnie Wood. Bugger me, it's Jimmy White. And he says, nice to see you. And he closes the door because it was number 28. We go to see his cousin at number 28. <laughs> Now, can you imagine? Yeah. Can you imagine this couple trying to explain to their friends? Last night, guess who knocked on the door? And they say, "No, you've been drinking, haven't you?" you they didn't knock on it. Why would they knock on your door? You know, it's and Ron, Ronnie Wood was with the Stone, Rolling Stones through this period, right? I, that's yeah, oh it, yes, oh yeah, sure. Yeah, just to be clear. Now, by the way, uh, there's a, a wonderful story, and I, I, I had been friends uh, for years with one of them, uh, and with one of the Stones. Yeah, we had been neighbors in France, and and when uh, I lived can in you France. name him? Yeah, the bass player, Bill Wyman. Bill Wyman. Yeah, yeah. yeah Bill yeah. and I have been friends for forty years or more, actually more. And he told me a story that when Ronnie got hired, Mick hired him on a salary. He wasn't part of the Stones. He was a salaried player, and they were on one tour, and I forget which tour it was. And Bill and Charlie. Charlie was a good guy. He really was. Charlie. They said to him. Um, oh, Charlie, think, yeah, who passed away, the drummer. Charlie Watts, yeah. Yeah, God bless him. He was a lovely guy. I don't know any of these people. Yeah, he was, I knew him. I knew them all, in fact. Yeah. But Charlie said to, they said to Ronnie, you, uh, is it true you're just a, a contract guy? You're, you're not part of the group? He said, yeah, I'm, I'm on a salary. They said, that's not right. You've been here for however many years. You need to be a part of the group. You need a percentage of all of this. So Ronnie said, well, Mick doesn't want it. So okay. So Bill... And Charlie went to Mick and said, they were on tour. And they said, by the way, we're not going to Japan. And Mick said, what do you mean? He said, no, no, we're, we're going home. We're not going to Japan, canceling the Japan. He said, you can't do that. We've sold out in Japan. He said, I'm not going. They said, why? He said, because Ronnie's not part of the group. You make Ronnie a full member of the group, we'll go to Japan. So it was Charlie and Bill who got Ronnie that, um, 
that percentage of the group. Good on them. So it's kind of a partnership. Yeah, yeah. Like, good on them, indeed. Good on de- Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. What I mean, generous they're, they're decent. Bill Wyman is a, Bill Wyman is a lovely man. He really is a very decent guy. And Charlie, Charlie just wanted to play drums. Yeah. I mean, he said to me one night, he said, my wife won't let me play drums at home. So I have to go out. I'm the one who's always saying to the group, let's go on tour because I want to play the drums. And when they wouldn't let, when they wouldn't go out, he'd go to Ronnie Scott's in London, the jazz club, and he'd bring his big band and they'd play drums and, and Ronnie Scott's. That's all he wanted to do was play drums. Nice man. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, he missed the, the latest tour. They, they, they just completed a tour recently and it's, amazing to look at these guys up on stage in their late 70s maybe one of them has hit 80 for all i know at this point and still as strong as ever and to get all these fans show up millennials and older people you know baby boomers and 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 sell out it's it's, that kind of a phenomenon is on one level easy to understand and another it sort of blows your mind well yeah i mean i they were dangerous when they were young there was an element of danger about them that's not there anymore. No. Now they're a bunch of old guys doing a tribute to who they used to be. Yeah. Which is fine. Absolutely fine. Uh, I've always been a big Beatles fan instead. And and watching Get Back, uh, that Beatles documentary. I mean, I loved it when you being a fly on the wall with Paul and, and John writing music. And I saw an interview with Paul recently where he said, I've only just realized that I wrote these songs, not with my mate, John, but I wrote all these songs with John Lennon. That's great stuff. Uh, the yeah. Stones, the Stones, they're, are, they're, in some ways, they're part of the establishment now. They're, you yeah. know, they're not rebels. They're not. Well, that's know, right. The danger element is gone. Yeah, they're not on the edge. Yeah, they're not on the edge anymore. But yeah. they're interesting to watch as a as a phenomenon. Oh, sure. they, they and, are and quite they funny. Are. Quite quite funny to listen to Mick Jagger, and he doesn't always say too much. But what he it does something amusing, sometimes odd about the whole lot of them. But uh, I say good luck to them, and uh, you know, keep it sure. up. Um, just that's all we have time for this week we'll be back again next week with more to stimulate provoke and have you digging life deep you are listening to dig life deep with john aden burn you can reach the host in the u.s at 973-529-4699 That's 973-529-4699-973-529-4699. Email burndesk at gmail.com. That's burndesk, B-Y-R-N-E, desk at gmail.com. Burndesk at gmail.com. Subscribe for free.